Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. you have your Bibles, let's go to Acts 1 through to 11 is where we're going to be studying God's Word today. The book of Acts is an exciting discovery of the history of our church. It kind of helps us look back to where it began. And that impacts us today because the same purpose that was on the church then is on us today. It's kind of a genealogy when you look back and and sort of helps us set our sights forward. It was written by Luke, who was not a disciple. He didn't know Jesus personally. He became a follower uh, through the, after the Lord's death when Paul preached the gospel. Now, Luke was a doctor. He was a man of science and he was Greek, which means he was a man of detail. Now, notice this is interesting. He wasn't a pastor. He didn't come out of the church, a Sadducee or a Pharisee. He, he wasn't even a Jew. Yet God used him mightily to preach 27% of the New Testament. And he was involved all throughout the New Testament. He was one of the most loyal, faithful companions of Paul the Apostle. And so Acts provides this eyewitness account of what happened when the early church started. But what happened? Let's pick up the scripture in verse 1. In my former book, Theopolis... I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So Theopolis means friend of God or God lover. Many scholars believe this is a generic uh, term for Christians. So you could say today that Luke starts by writing this scripture to you and to me. They would write these scriptures on scrolls some 35 feet long. Think about that, 35 feet long. And so this is the, uh, the second book that Luke wrote after the gospel of Luke. Verse two, until that day, he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostle he had chosen. Verse four, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So Jesus reveals himself over 40 days to 500 people. He he ate food. He did life with them. He showed them his scars. He, He sort of walked around interacting. The reason he did this was to give them courage of the gospel, to give them courage that he had resurrected and that the gospel was to be preached. Preach. He gave no possible doubt of his resurrection. It was kind of like a reminder. Now, parents, we all know about reminders. Kids, do the dishes. Kids, do the dishes. Isn't it funny when you say kids do the dishes? You know, you, you expect that's emptying, rinsing, stacking, turning it on, right? Do the dishes. We remind them, do the dishes. How often they do one of those. Uh, they may not stack or they may not wash or put it in the wrong place. It's a constant reminder. Uh, Bonnie's a bit of a reminder uh, because I need reminding. And so Jesus is kind of reminding them for this 40-day period. Hey, I'm resurrected. I'm, I'm alive. I'm, I'm risen from the dead. The reason is, is to set them up for the future that he had for them. 
Notice in verse 2, we'll go back to that, that Jesus said he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus mentions the Holy Spirit here, that he ministered through the Holy Spirit. Even though he was a resurrected, glorified Son of God, Jesus, he still ministered through the Holy Spirit. If Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit, how much should we rely on the Holy Spirit? Verse 4, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but, but what? Read it with me, but, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. The first thought, if you're taking notes, you can write this down on your phone or scribble on the back of your hand. The first thought is this, embrace the wait, embrace the wait. The one instruction that Jesus gave them was to wait. I find that fascinating. He didn't say, go study, go pray, you know, go, go tell people about Jesus, uh, go heal the sick, uh, you know, go give money, uh, go, go serve, uh, get on the front door, get in the cafe, get in the kids' room. Now, what did he say? He said to wait. He said to wait. Why did he say to wait? Because waiting allows you to have a posture of receiving. You can't perform when you wait. You can't work when you wait. You can't do anything when you wait, but wait. And there's something here that Jesus wanted to get his believers postured and ready for the promise, the gift that he was sending. Most of us, we rather work than wait. Because when you wait, you don't have any control. When you wait, you don't know how long it will be. Uh, when you wait, you've got nothing else to do but to wait. You can't move on. You are stuck waiting. Some of you today, you're waiting on the Lord. You're waiting for a healing that you've been praying for for years. You're waiting for God to move in a situation where a relationship has gone so toxic you think, how can it ever be restored? Some of you are waiting for a child to come back to the Lord. Some of you are waiting to have children, to, to find a partner in life. Some of you are waiting for that opportunity at work. You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. It can be difficult. It can be hard in the waiting. But I want to encourage you, don't despair in the waiting. This was part of the plan that these followers of Christ position themselves to wait, to receive what God wanted to do. In fact, Isaiah 64, 4 says, For since the world began, no, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you. Who what? Who works for those who wait upon Him. God is always working in the waiting. We, we, we may not see it, we may not know it, but can I reassure you today, God is working in the waiting. He may be working behind the scenes. He may be working on you. He may be working on others. Uh, he may be working in the heavenlies. If you remember, Daniel prayed and God dispatched an angel, the archangel Michael, who was delayed 21 days fighting demonic powers, 
God is working even though you might not see it. He's building your faith. He's getting you to trust in Him. He's getting you to rely. It's like going to the gym. Waiting is working those muscles of faith to believe, to stay engaged. Don't walk away in the waiting. The reason I say don't walk away is because that's what a lot of the early Christians did. You see, he had revealed himself to over 500 people and told them to wait. Yet 10 days later in the upper room when the promise came, only 120 were still waiting. That tells me a lot of people left. They walked out. We don't want to miss the promise that God has for us because we get impatient in the waiting. We don't want to tarry and pray and believe right to the end when God wants to move and we walk away and we're not there. Could you imagine being one of those person? You stuck it out night one, you know, night two, you know, night nine, you think nothing's happening. I'm not waiting any longer. I'm going home. You turn Netflix on only to hear on Insta that the Holy Spirit fell in the upper room and you missed out. We cannot miss out what God has for us We've got to stay in the waiting, in a posture of receiving. I, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. Don't give up on God in the waiting. Maybe God is waiting on you today. He's asking you to do something. He's asking you to step in and pray, seek Him, spend time with Him. Um, you're waiting for something to happen, but God might be challenging you to do something in the waiting. He loves you. He cares about you. He's not disengaged. He's not not caring. He's working in the waiting. Let's celebrate that today. Come on. He is working in the waiting. Let's continue on. Embrace the wait. Verse 5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What, what, what does that all mean? What's going on here? Well, baptism is a simple word to immerse or to plunge, to submerge, to, to be fully wet. And so firstly, Jesus had to get these early followers to embrace the weight. The second thing he had to do was to rehearse the immerse. Come on, work with me here. Rehearse the immerse. What does that mean? This word immerse or baptism was God's plan for the believers that we would constantly be immersed. We would constantly be filled. This wasn't a one-off time. This was an ongoing promise that Jesus gave us. When he left, he says, someone better is coming. It's the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you're a morning shower person or a night shower person. Who, who, who's, who's the morning? I'm getting up. I'm having a shower in the morning. Morning. Who's night? I'm a night person. Who's a two-shower person? I'm morning and I'm night. Who's a two-shower? I'm a two-shower person. Can't get enough. Who's a non-shower? Extra deodorant, you know, just pour it on, just splash the armpits. Just don't put your hand up for that one. People might leave around you. Uh, it's a little bit like showering when we immerse or we are filled with the Spirit. It, it's letting Him overwhelm us, uh, fill us, uh, consume us. 
In fact, we have a declaration of faith in INC, and it says this. We believe the Holy Spirit indwells every believer from the moment of salvation. moment you're saved, you are filled and indwelled with the Holy Spirit. We also believe that baptism of the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit, being immersed in the Holy Spirit, is a distinct and ongoing experience that is promised to the believer. Over and over again, when you read the book of Acts, you will see the Holy Spirit is an ongoing experience in the lives of the believer. Time and time again, Luke uses these words to describe what the Holy Spirit is doing in the believer. He uses words like, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit fills you. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, you will be full of the Holy Spirit. You'll be encouraged by the Holy Spirit, anointed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon you. The Holy Spirit has come upon you. Uh, he is giving the Holy Spirit. It's a continual ongoing experience or immersion with the Holy Spirit. Well, why, why do we need this? Well, to fulfill the commission to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, make disciples. Jesus gave us the promise, the Holy Spirit, to empower us. We need His presence. We need His power. I don't know about you. I need the Holy Spirit. Uh, daily, the first thing I do when I wake up, uh, Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, fill me. You can do this in the car. You, you can do this walking to get your coffee. You, you can do this in the workplace. Just, it's an awareness that you're letting the Holy Spirit overwhelm you, immerse you. It's not a weird thing. It's a relational thing where the Holy Spirit wants to guide and prompt and direct you to be active in your life. Uh, when was the last time you were immersed or filled uh, or the Holy Spirit come upon you? I think Sundays are such a great time to gather as we worship. You can often sense the presence of God in the room where you can just turn your heart and say, God, fill me. Let, let the presence of God empower me. Verse uh, six, they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So the disciples completely missed the point. The, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling was to empower them, to, to help them live a victorious life. Yet the disciples thought it was going to overrule the political power. The disciples thought it was going to change the Roman Empire. The disciples thought it was going to change the comfort and ease of their physical life. And so often we do the same. Will we go to Jesus or, or the Holy Spirit to, to make our life better? Will he give us what's easier? Now, there's nothing wrong with God's blessing. I'm a believer and God wants to bless you. He is a great full life for you. But our motivation must be his kingdom, not our selfishness. When it comes to God, it shouldn't be more about us than about Him. We shouldn't be trying to get God to do what we want. Rather, we should be trying to figure out what God wants. 
And so often as a pastor, I hear people say, yeah, I tried this God thing. Yeah, I was a churchy for a while, but man, I didn't get a better job. You know, my leg didn't get better. You know, my, my wife didn't improve. You know, my kids didn't act better. I've tried it. You know, it doesn't work because God didn't do what I wanted him to do. It's interesting. So often people think God exists for us. When actually the early church was birthed, we discover we exist to glorify and honor God. It's a subtle difference, but it makes all the difference. And he said to them in verse 7, Hey, it's not for you to know these times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Jesus is saying, stop thinking earthly. Stop thinking about yourself. <laughs> Turn your heart to think about the things of God. God's saying, this stuff doesn't concern you. What should concern you is the kingdom, my plan, my purposes uh, for your life. Being filled with the Spirit helps us keep our eyes on God. Being filled with the Spirit helps us stay on mission for what God has for us. Being filled with the Spirit helps God direct and guide and navigate our lives for His glory and also for our benefit. These early disciples, when they were gathering before the church with birth, they embraced the weight. They rehearsed the immerse. And finally, verse 8 is a summary. It's a mission statement of the entire book of Acts. Verse 8, you shall receive power. So when the promise comes, the Holy Spirit, you receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my what? My witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Be quick to witness. Be quick to what's the power for? To be a witness. Well, what is a witness? It's a spectator of something. So often we wrongly assume the Holy Spirit, the power, the filling is for signs and wonders. And God is a God who does signs and wonders for His glory. And absolutely, we believe and we pray for the supernatural. But don't lose sight of the reason for the power. It's to see people saved, to be a witness um, that Jesus, God in flesh, died on the cross. He rose again. He died for our sins. He didn't stay dead. He defeated the grave, overcome death. He rose again. He sits at the right hand of the Father and calls you and I to believe in Him and offers humanity that same invitation. We must be a church at elevation that is a witness for Jesus. That's why we were birthed. That's why we are the powerhouse. A church on fire is to see people come into faith, to be a witness. The whole reason the Holy Spirit came was to empower us for lives to be changed for eternity. You see, a miracle won't sustain a soul. Only a relationship with Christ will to witness the message of Jesus Christ, to be a witness for what He's done in your life. 
We're not about a building. We're not about a name or a title or a denomination. We're not about a start. We're about being a witness of the power of Jesus Christ. Jerusalem specifically speaks of your immediate world. So when Jesus says you'll be a witness in Jerusalem, He's saying you will be a witness in your immediate world. What's your immediate world? That's your family. That's your friends. That's your work colleague. The whole purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit is to be a witness to our immediate families and friends. That it's a witness of what God has done. We're a testimony of His goodness. That we can share the goodness of God to those around us. That's on us. This isn't an option. This is a command to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. If we're a follower of Christ, we have this commission to be a witness in Jerusalem. Then Jesus says, it doesn't stop there in your family and your mates and, the, and your sports club. It goes beyond to Judea and Samaria. Now, this is speaking of crossing cultural barriers, crossing racial barriers, crossing political barriers, crossing educational barriers, crossing class barriers, crossing financial barriers. This is going into all the world. You see, the Samaritans were half-breeds and they would not mix with Jews. And Jesus is very clear, we are here to take this power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness to all the world. I, I don't know what that means for you today. But I believe God is challenging us as a church to be a witness, to invite someone to come to church, take them out for a coffee, let the Holy Spirit fill you, guide you, direct you, and prompt you. Because this is the whole point. This is why we gather in church. Could you imagine if, if this early church, they gathered and they said, okay, let's just sing some songs and, you know, let's just sort of look at the Torah and the words. And they never took it beyond the upper room. If they never took the power that came upon them to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, you and I would not be saved today. The whole point of the powerhouse, a church on fire, is to see people come to Christ, to see souls saved, to see lives change. This has to be the driving force of our church. Now, once they come in to the family of God, we disciple them, we love them, we serve them, we help them, that we teach them the ways of God. They are sanctified, they become like Christ, but it always starts with people being saved. Come on, church, let's be... Let's be the powerhouse, a church on fire. Let, 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 let's be a, a church where we embrace the weight, where we have the posture of saying, God, we're expecting today. God, we're believing today. God, we know there's more that you have for us. It's that posture of waiting expectancy. Let, let's be a church that rehearses the immerse. We want to be filled. We, we, we want to be overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit. We want to be led and directed and prompted. We want to be filled with the power uh, so we can be what? Quick to witness. We can share our faith. We can tell others about how great our God is to see them be saved and the church can expand and grow. I, I pray and, and, and I am hungering 
personally to share my faith. I'm praying and I'm hungering for God to move in our churches, to see people saved every service, every week. Well, what was the outcome in the early church? They were saved daily. Could you imagine at all of our locations, people saved daily, saved daily in the high schools, Save daily in unis at work. Save daily in a prayer meeting or a life group. Save daily on a Sunday. Seeing people saved. We're, we're, we're the powerhouse, the same mandate that started and established the local church. It's the same mandate we have today to be a witness for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the powerhouse, the, the bride of Christ, the, the, the church of believers, the gathering of the saints. And we can receive the power of the Holy Spirit on our lives today to see people come to Christ. I pray, God, you would minister to people. You would draw people to our churches, draw people by your spirit to hear the gospel, to give their lives to you. We want to be a church. Everyone's welcome. People can come. We invite them. People matter. We want to see them saved. Father, would you challenge every one of us that we are born, we're destined to be a witness. Still praying today with eyes closed and heads bowed. Maybe you don't know Christ. You didn't know about about this powerhouse or the baptism or this uh, Holy Spirit. You, you, You didn't know any of that. Well, can I tell you that Jesus knows you? He knows you. And you're here today, not by chance. Jesus Christ drew you for this moment to realize that he has a plan, a purpose for you that he firstly died and rose again so you could be saved because you can't save yourself. It's only Jesus Christ can lead us to the Father. That not only your eternity is secured because heaven or hell are real. We will go to one of those places. If you don't know where you would go, if you died today, you need Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. But then he wants to save you so you can expand his mission to see other people saved. If that's you today with eyes closed and heads bowed, just boldly raise your hand and say, yeah, Miles, that's me. I want to be saved. I, I, I want to be changed. I, I, I want this God that you're preaching about. This is why we exist as a church for you. Church, can we pray out loud a prayer calling on the name of Jesus to forgive us and to save us? Let's all pray out loud. Jesus, let's all pray out loud together. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a saviour. Save me. Be my Lord. I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's make some noise for our God, our Lord, our Saviour.